Welcome into the Best Coast Fantasy Football Podcast. My name is Brandon Turpin. I'm joined here by the Worth Brothers, Jordan and Josh. Hey, what's up, y'all? Hey, everybody. Excited to be here. All right. Let's get this party started right now. We're going to get we're going to start this off with a little bit of news happening around the league. Um, first issue that popped up that I've seen is the the Van Jefferson knee issue. A uh, little bit of rumors, a little bit of here and there. Um, Jordan, you want to take over on that one? Yeah, so uh, we were hearing that there was a knee issue with Van Jefferson, and there was rumors that it didn't have to do with the knee issue, but they he was uh, like seeking uh, some opinions on something, and then I think I think it is the knee issue. Uh, we're gonna wait to find out more, but um, it's possibility that he's not gonna be there for the beginning of the season. That would increase, uh, you know, my uh, feelings towards a guy like Allen Robinson, who I've. I've been a little low on considering last year, but uh, maybe he's rising a little bit in a lot of people's rankings with this new news. It seems like he's going to be the clear number two. Yeah, it actually makes me a lot more um, interested in drafting Allen Robinson this year. Um, and uh, it makes me sad, too, because I was liking Van Jefferson at the end of my drafts and uh, in best ball leagues, which I think is still an option if you want to maybe expand on that. I definitely think uh, in best ball, you can still take a late round flyer on Van Jefferson. He's he's been going when he's been going, he's been going pretty late anyways. But um, I was interested to see how he was going to play out in the office offense. Obviously, Allen Robinson has been getting a lot of camp hype. He's been playing pretty well. We all wonder, was last year a fluke? Was he just, you know, not really interested in the offense? What was it? Now we've got a whole new offensive scheme. I'm interested to see what he did with Van Jefferson out. He's definitely going to be rising on my rankings. Um so let's jump into the next one. Uh, this one's crazy to me. Uh, I didn't see it coming. Uh, James Robinson avoids the pup list, completely avoids the training camp pup list, not just the pup list to start the season, uh, but he's not starting even training camp on the pup list. He's already out there practicing. He looks good. I love um, James Robinson. We, we, yeah, <laughs> the, the, definitely, definitely. I'll say that a ton of times. I don't care. I but love I'm curious, James Robinson. With with your love for James Robinson, does that drop ETN down in your rankings? What do you feel? What do you think? Do you think he still avoids the regular season pup list? You know, um, I'm not. I think he's going to avoid the pup. Uh, he's already out there practicing. I, you know, it seems like he's going to be more on the Cam Akers timeline more than you know what shorter, everybody actually. perceived was the old timeline for an Achilles, where you know it would take you several years to come back and and be nothing. So uh, it, this is interesting. I, I'm still worried about his efficiency this year with the injury. We we saw Cam Akers in the playoffs last year put up you know really low numbers for for what he had done previously and so i i'm worried about him but he's like uh like a 10th to 12th round draft pick in your home leagues right now he's gonna be a steal in drafts so um i don't think it really hurts etn because he's gonna take more of that passing role and and it's kind of a different role and i see them as a one-two combination but um yeah i'll, I'll bring up that he we'll was see already you know returning from that Liz Frank injury to Travis Etienne and uh, that could be something that limits him this year anyways so I am lower on Etienne than consensus I gotta say if uh, if they split carries if he gets 185 to 200 plus carries and you're getting him in the 11th round 
that's not that's not bad. I mean, that's a player you can plug into your flex. That's a player we've seen him finish as high as wide receiver or running back four. Yes. So, I mean, if you he's can get him, yeah, if you can get him in the eleventh, twelfth round, he's going about the eleventh round right now, someplace in the eleventh round. So if you can get him there, I think he's I think he's a steal. I, I'm I'm still just blown away though that he's already back. It's kind of crazy to me. So yeah, I mean the game is just better when all these guys are on the field, and so that's going to be exciting to see James Robinson out there. And uh, the last time I saw anything I liked out of the Jaguars at all, it was from James Robinson. <laughs> so <laughs> that whole offense could be a lot different this year, though. That's true. They they definitely Here's went out. They went out and paid, uh, overpaid for uh, some players. Uh, but it's going to be it'll it'll be definitely a lot a lot different this year. So another player that we got news of that avoided the pup list is Chris Godwin, not starting training camp on the pup list. Which that one. The whole training camp pup list thing is confusing to me anyways. I don't understand why he's not on the pup list. What if does it mean? If he's not practicing, I mean, I haven't seen him out there practicing. Well, I don't know if you guys have. I haven't but. either. And it's also, you know, we're we're seeing everybody practice right now. So this isn't OTAs where it's not a big deal if the guy's not out on the field. Um, you know, we're like we just said, James Robinson is practicing, coming back from a ruptured Achilles. So. Other guys coming back from injuries are are on the field when they're not on the pup list. Godwin, it seems to be a little bit different story. So I don't necessarily know what to think of that situation. But when we're talking about ADP, his average draft position, um, he's still somebody I'm very interested in this year. If he's going to come back and start this season, even in a limited capacity, he, I mean, he's the kind of guy who could win your league at the end of the year if he's at full health. He's elite. He's finished as a wide as wide receiver two on the season, number two overall. Um, he's fantastic. He's in a great offense. He's got a great quarterback who throws a lot of touchdowns and throws him a lot of volume. So uh, while him being back early, I don't think it like really affects Mike Evans. We've seen the two of them on the field, and both of them have been productive. It's not an issue. Um, and, and with other options there, like, uh, like Antonio Brown and, and my, and Gronk in the past. And so, so yeah, so Godwin being back early from this injury doesn't bother me for the value of guys like Mike Evans. But, uh, I do think, uh, it lowers Russell Gage and some of the other auxiliary players out there just having Godwin and, and, uh, and Mike Evans be the one too, obviously. Definitely. I want to just say, too, I mean, I was somebody who was on Twitter saying that Godwin wouldn't be back until October, November, because that's what I thought would happen based on his injury, the timeline, what we've seen. Uh, and that was what everyone was saying at the time. Come back from. So this is this is pretty astonishing to me and also something that like I'm willing to change my stance on if this is actually what's going to happen. It's definitely a situation to monitor, though. Yeah. Because even if he's back, yes, he may be good for the offense because he's going to take, mm-hmm. you know, some some, some of the defense too. away. But I don't know that he's going to be 100% still. Mm-hmm. I mean, I still look at October, November before he really starts producing. Most wide receivers, when they come back from an ACL tear, have a rougher season anyways. But at a sixth-round ADP for Godwin, it's worth the flyer. I yeah. mean, it, it definitely, especially in best ball. Um, so, you know, that's another big one. So yeah, the you, last, um, I think it depends a little on your team build. Uh, if you need somebody more solid there, cause he's kind of going in the range of like a uh, Brandon cooks who should start definitely. out the season very solid. So uh, if you've been His fading career, very solid, if you've been fading wide receiver up to that point and you want somebody stable, you, you know, take, take the, uh, Brandon cooks of the world. But, uh, 
if you if you want that upside, I mean, Chris Godwin's already shown that he has it. Yeah, for sure. Um, last bit of news we've got. We don't have to touch too much on this one because it's just a little bit of news. But Debo finally got paid. Debo the, got paid. The, 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 the contract finally came out. We've been waiting to see if this would happen or when it would happen. Um, you know, there was a little bit of news inside that contract, too, that we were all, I think, wondering does he want to still be used as a running back? Does he want to have that wide receiver combo that he's got? And there is incentives built into that. So, I mean, that tells us that we're still going to be able to see Debo used both ways. And that makes him so much more elite. I mean, even if you took right. away his rushing touchdowns last year, he was still a top wide receiver. But him being able to rush in and get those rushing attempts is just massive for the type of receiver and where you're drafting him at or getting lucky and being able to keep him. <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, you know, Devo is somebody who I have on a dynasty league. So this news made me smile. Like I haven't smiled in quite some time, um, but he becomes one of the only wide receivers in the NFL to make more than $20 million per year on this three year contract. And, uh, so one thing I want to bring up about those rushing incentives is, you know, it's it comes out to like one or between one and two million over the, those the course of that three years. So it's not like a massive part yeah, of his contract, um, but it does say that, yeah, Kyle Shanahan gets to probably use him however he thinks is best on the field. And that's, uh, you know, that's good for Debo in fantasy. I don't know that it's good for him as a NFL player with a body that has to be human still. But uh, but it that, still rewards him for both. It does. <laughs> it, instead of him being used as both and not getting rewarded as both. That's true. It gives him the reward of being used in both. Absolutely. So it's basically a secondary small contract for him to get over 350 rushing yards. So, yeah. you know, that's good, too. So, um, okay. So next up, we're going to jump into uh, our basic draft strategy. So some of you guys may be first-time drafters, some of you may be lifelong drafters, but you still want to learn different strategies, different people's strategies, what you know you can do when you go into a draft, what to expect going into a draft. So, um, you know, there's a few uh, things that you should know immediately going into a draft. So I'll let Jordan start out with, um, you know, league settings, what that means and what what you should look forward to when you're going into a draft. So, Yeah, absolutely. So before you... Uh, start a draft probably even before you join a league but uh, definitely early on before you start drafting you want to know your league settings you're going to want to know you know what the roster looks like the roster construction are you in a 2QB league are you in a PPR league are you in a standard league Uh, are you in a tight end premium all these things are going to affect your draft strategy and you need to know this going in um, and you need to know I'm sorry (laughs) Can you pause for a sec? And you need to know as much about your league as you can going into the draft because it's it's really going to affect your decision-making throughout. Um, so those are some things to know going in. Definitely. So, you know, speaking on knowing what your league settings are, knowing if you're in a standard league, a PPR league, a half PPR league, you know, there's different types of leagues. And I can speak from personal experience. Don't assume what type of league you're going into. Uh, I have done it. I have uh, been invited to a league a couple days before the league started. Uh, I'm very familiar with half PPR and PPR leagues. Those are the leagues that I usually do. Uh, They invited me in. I had all this stuff figured out. I was given my draft position. 
And I could not figure out why these wide receivers kept falling to me. And I just kept drafting them. And I was like, man, these guys don't know what they're doing. Turns out I, I didn't know what I was doing. Surprise, um, surprise. Yeah, it was on me. Uh, but at the end of the day, uh, you know, there's more to just drafting in a league. I was able to make some trades, you know, able to pull off the the championship actually that year just by having top tier wide receivers. You heard being- it here first, guys. Don't pay attention to what league format you're in because then you'll win your league. That's no, true because every time I've paid attention to the league <laughs> format, I don't win the league. So, you know, this year I'm going all in, guys. I don't even want to know. Uh, no, but, you know, you, you know there, there's trades. There's different ways. But really pay attention to if you're in a PPR, if you're in a, a standard league because that's going to make a difference between wide receivers are going to go sooner in a PPR league. They're going to score more um, – points usually than than a running back i mean your top 10 running backs are always going to score significant points it's it's just how it works that's why running backs tend to go higher in drafts um is because your you know your top one two three running backs are going to outscore your wide receivers last year it was a little different cooper cup had the greatest wide receiver season we've ever seen one of the greatest seasons we've ever seen and that's why he scored so many points but you know, pay attention to that uh, when you're doing it. Um, you know, when it comes to, uh, you know, super flex and different positions like that, that's going to open up the positional scarcity. Um, and that's the next part that we kind of want to talk about is what that means. Um, so, you know, I'll let uh, Josh kind of talk about, you know, running backs and what that means in the running back position. And he can give you a little detail on what positional scarcity is with running backs. Yeah, so when we're drafting, we're looking at, you know, what what's going to help our team the most. And the the kind of basic factor is who's going to score the most points at what position. And the running backs are so like Brandon said just it so greatly outweighs what a wide receiver is going to do when that top tier of running backs is scoring an insane amount of points week in and week out. And so one thing that we kind of talk about here is going to be tier-based drafting, which is a system that I think all three of us kind of employ, and it helps to mitigate that uh, positional scarcity too, because then you can kind of look at your own rankings and see how your team is going to get put together. And you can look forward a couple rounds that way too. Um, When we're talking about positional scarcity with the running back, basically your your first round of a uh, standard or PPR, half PPR league even, they're all going to start out, unless you're in a super flex league with two QBs or whatever, it's mostly going to be a running back heavy at the very beginning of your draft. And so those guys are going to quickly run away with with the lot of the points from that position. And then you kind of have to straggle and fight for what's left over when you eventually are running down to those later running. So that but that's also, that but that's also not telling you. To, to force yourself to reach for a running back either. Right. You know, There's a balance that you have to grab here because, you know, while people are reaching for, for those running backs who they perceive are going to score tons and tons of points, they're letting wide receivers fall who are actually going to score those points. Yeah, you can always pay attention to both sides of it. Drafting, uh, you know, value at the position. If, if someone that should have went far sooner in the draft is going to fall to you, you got to take that position regardless of what your layout is starting to look like with your team. Um, You know, you obviously want to pay attention and fill your roster, but you also have that flex position. So you don't want to take a running back just to take a running back that you're going to plug into the flex when 
you have that advantage of taking a high scoring wide receiver because they fell to you. Um, you know, in positional scarcity, when it comes to um, quarterbacks in a one QB league, you're not going to have as much positional scarcity. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. there's still those that top the elite tier of guys that people are going to, you know, kind of fight over using their draft picks. But at the same time, once it gets past a certain point, a lot of these guys are going to score a similar amount of points and have just as good as of chance as the other guys to finish in the, the top 10 or top 12 QBs on a given week. Yeah, in a super flex league, I don't know how you guys usually do it or how many, you know. Now, usually in the first round of 12-team super flex, you're going to see anywhere from seven to nine QBs go off the board. Yeah, the now, QB game becomes kind of a bullying thing. It's like, guys guys will go ahead and draft uh, only QBs their first two rounds or something like that, and that you really see the running back and wide receiver position get pushed down. Yeah, do you guys, does your position change on taking, going like, say, QB, QB in the first and second round in a super flex if you're at the beginning of the draft as opposed to the end of the draft? Well, it's all about value. You got to not draft scared as well, so... You you gotta look scared, at the, baby. you gotta look at the guys on the board and and make a decision based on what's there for you at each round. So um, obviously, like if you're at the at the one hundred one, you're probably gonna be taking Josh Allen this year. Uh, guy's phenomenal. He should end up scoring more points than anybody else as long as he plays seventeen games and uh, he does it, you know, through the air and on the on the ground, which is what gets it done for fantasy and stays consistent. So. Um, it, it really, really just depends on who's on the board. And when you're in a, a super flex league, you're going to end up with a lot more positional scarcity at the quarterback position because you've only got 32 starting quarterbacks. And if you've got 12 teams, that leaves you with less than three apiece. So um, it, it really drives quarterbacks up the board, but that doesn't mean you should you know, skip out on a, a Christian McCaffrey or Jonathan Taylor or something just because you want to take Kirk Cousins as your second quarterback. Like that doesn't make as much of a difference for you as one of those players at, at a different position. So you got to weigh those things against each other and uh, and and decide where where you're going to land. So I just had that happen. I did uh, a best ball, the Scott Fishbowl best ball uh, draft. And, you know, I, my first pick was Kyler Murray. Um, And then when it wrapped all the way back around to me, so many quarterbacks had went that, you know, I was down to, and, you know, it probably would have been a decent pick for me, but by the time it got back to me, it was like Derek Carr, Kirk Cousins, Uh but then Jamar Chase was there waiting for me. So I made the choice and I went Jamar Chase. Well, then it wrapped back around. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, and mind you, best ball is a little different. So you don't, um, you don't have to set your lineup. It's whoever has the best week is who is going to uh, be optimized into your lineup. So there was still a few quarterbacks left. So I decided to wait one more time and I ended up with Mike Evans at, you know, in the third round, which is kind of crazy to me. So it was like, okay, do I go with a, a quarterback that, I could probably wait a little bit longer. I probably waited too long because there was a lot of people that were just going QB, 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 and they were like three. And by the time it got back to me in like the fifth round, there was like not much left. I ended up with Zach Wilson. 
you know, wasn't great. But, you know, you have to also pay attention to how the other people around you are drafting. Yeah. Because if they're going QB, 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 and you notice like all of a sudden everybody's doing that, you kind of get yourself in a little bit of a pinch because if 12 teams are drafting three QBs right away, you're not going to get that second QB. You're going to be in trouble. So it is sometimes you have to reach. I had I had to right. reach for Zach Wilson. I didn't want him at the position that I took him at, but everyone was going so QB heavy that sometimes you have to. Yeah. Um, but, and that kind of goes back to knowing your league and knowing your league settings and stuff is like, it's not just the settings that affect it. If you look at the guys that are in your league and you know how they're going to draft, you can kind of prepare for that and say, okay, these guys are going to be really QB heavy or we're in a one QB league and all these guys know what they're doing and they're going to like fade quarterbacks really yeah. hard. And then, then, you know, like, okay, uh, maybe I want to be the first guy to take a quarterback in this league because there's going to be insane value there. Yeah, you got a little bit of play in it when you, you know, depending when you watch your league and watch what happens. So the last part I kind of want to touch base on and have us talk a little bit about is um, ADP, uh, excuse me, what ADP is <coughs> and like tier rankings, what, how we position tier rankings what they are and explain those a little bit um and then also explain how you do your tiers you know each each individual person we're all different in how we do them so jordan like why don't you talk a little bit about what adp is it actually is and then how you do your tier rankings well that's average draft position and that uh that just describes essentially like where a player is going in mock drafts or real drafts or best ball drafts leading up to and throughout draft season. So you can look at, uh, if you're looking at different ADPs online, uh, you can look at like a different period of time and, you know, look at over the last week uh, compared to over the last month and see who's rising and see who's falling based on camp reports and know that maybe some of those guys you should fade because camp reports for the most part don't mean anything. So, um, just, uh, you know, keep an eye on that. You're telling me guys practicing without pads doesn't mean anything, Jordan? You know, believe it or not, if you haven't seen them do it on an NFL field, I would say no. It doesn't count when it's on a college field that's part dirt? No, it doesn't count on a college field at all. Ravens field is always dirt, so. Um, But, you know, so, like, as far as tier rankings go, though, how do you break down your tier rankings? Do you... So tier rankings essentially are, um, you know, how you're going to have like your first tier of, of running backs, your top 10 guys, and then you're going to slowly break those rankings down on. I would um, say less. It's, it is top 10. Top 10 yeah. Actually, it is, it is less, you know, on your tiers. I mean, Jonathan Taylor and CMC are probably in their own tier. Um, and then you start moving your way down from yeah. there um, as far as tiers go. Um, and we'll talk a little bit more about tiers too when we talk about um, our next segment of the you know our tier jump candidates. Basically, what we're saying is is these players are going to be uh, you know at their tier five, tier six. They're drafted in later rounds, and they have the potential to jump up to a higher tier. So basically, the way we look at it, and you guys can explain a little bit how you do it, is you have um, you know when you go to draft, you have this set. Uh, number of players in a tier that you view as scoring similar points. Um, and then you look at if they someone in that tier is going to fall to you at a position that you're hoping they fall to, 
that's the player. One of those players inside that tier is essentially who you're going to draft. Is that how you guys do it? Do you do it by position or do you do it all together? Uh, I definitely do it by position, but I like to try and get a feel for how I think the wide receivers and running backs compare to each other for the flex rankings. Um, but the way I would set up my tiers is uh, I, I'd try and look at it based on you know my projections really and, and who I think is going to score very similarly throughout the season and then uh, kind of break it down into like into those. And if there's somebody who's kind of an in-betweener, then it's kind of based on a confidence level in that player that I think they'll hit that threshold. If I see them like as that's maybe their floor, but, and that's even if that's where I have them ranked is at their floor, then I'm going to put them in the tier above. Uh, if, if I see the player is like maybe an old, like Adam Thielen, maybe for instance, who's an older guy who could be, uh, kind of moving towards the end of his career and could be lowering in efficiency this year as he has over the last couple of years. Somebody like that, like if he's in between in tiers, I'm going to put him in a lower tier because the upside I don't think is there. I think tier drafting helps me decide a little bit what position I'm going to draft um, at any given part of the, the draft as well. Um, you know, if I already have three wide receivers and three running backs and I have my QB, then I'm, you know, maybe I'm looking at tight end and I'm looking at, um, there's, there's three guys still at tight end that I like that are in the same tier. I'm, I don't feel so pressured to grab a tight end, even though I don't have that position yet. So I can go ahead and flip back, grab a wide receiver or a running back that I see as a really good value who might be one of the last guys left in a tier that I believe in. And then there's a talent, you know, I, when it comes back to me, I can grab the third, one of those tight ends that I think is going to score a similar amount of points. So that's a really, you know, basic strategy that you can use to go ahead and just break down your draft in a little different way. Yeah, so basically just as an example, so if you're looking at uh, Fantasy Pros rankings and you're looking at a half PPR format, yeah, their tier four rankings are guys uh, Alvin Kamara, Tyreek Hill, Keenan Allen, T. Higgins, A.J. Brown, James Conner, Michael Pittman. So when you come up on the third round, uh, end of the second, third round, you can look in that tier four category on what players have essentially fallen to you. Mm-hmm. And, and then you can make a decision based on wide receiver, running back, what you need at the, that time inside that tier of players that are going to land in a similar position or where they think that they're ranked at the end of the year. Now, you may have your own rankings like we do. Um, you may be able to create a personal uh, you know, draft order or what you want to do. There's, there's you know, different I, that's what I do when I go in I I yeah. set my own players um for tiers and where I think that I think they're going to land at the end of the season but it gives you the ability to uh pick and choose inside that tier of players that are going to help you um and to not reach on guys so much too I think is another thing um you know sometimes there's a guy in a tier that I really like but in you know in my heart of hearts I know that he doesn't have the ceiling the same ceiling as this other guy and I want that guy in my squad, but I'm going to go ahead and make the the clearer, better decision that I already made in my analytic process, not when I was already drinking and drafting. <laughs> 100%. Okay, so... Do drink and draft. Yeah. <laughs> so Draft responsibly yeah. after already setting your rankings. <laughs> uh, so let's, let's jump in then talking about, you know, tier categories and where we see players going. So let's jump into 
are tier jump candidates. So these are our largest tier jump candidates. So these are players that we see going from, um, and say drafted in the sixth, seventh, eighth round. And next year we view them as possibly being drafted, you know, three, four rounds higher, you know, Mm -hmm. there's a possibility of that jump for them into a higher tier. You know, they could be tier uh, seven, eight, nine, ten. you know, someplace in in those ranges, depending on which player we have here. And they could jump up into the second, third, fourth tier um, next year. You know, you just it's it's uh, it's our candidates that we see jumping the most. So our our first person up here that we're going to have jump into his tier candidate is Jordan. Um, so I'll let him explain his tier jump candidate. Yeah, and uh, the first guy I want to talk about is Kadarius Tony. Ooh, Tony. Yeah, he is phenomenal. Like just watching his tape is just so fun. Um, last year he only had seven games where he played at least fifty percent of the snaps. He didn't score any touchdowns, but he did have fifty-two targets in those games, three hundred eighty-six yards. Uh, just an electric player. Um, 7.4 yards per target, which is really awesome. He's currently going in the 10th round at pick 123. Sometimes even later than that, I've seen him going as late as like the 11th and 12th round. And that is just a steal. Like take him every time because there's like the risk is already baked in. He had some injuries last year and things like that. Um, But that, that risk is already baked into that ADP where you can just, like grab him as maybe like your fifth or sixth wide receiver. That's, that's fantastic. Give him that every every draft. Yeah. Yeah. He's the way I have it projected. I mean, there's other wide receivers there, so he does have target competition, but some of these messy situations in fantasy are where fantasy gold comes from. So you've got Kenny Galladay, Sterling Shepard, Wandale Robinson, who I also really like. Um, but then you've also got Saquon Barkley, who's going to soak up some targets there. But the tight end position is interesting. Ricky Seals-Jones is there. Last year, the tight end position in New York saw 18% of the targets, uh, with Evan Ingram being the second in targets on the team. They have 220 vacated targets this year, and I don't think Ricky Seals-Jones is going to soak up a bunch of targets there. So... We should see an increase in the target share to the wide receiver position. I personally think Kadarius Toney is going to end up being the wide receiver one there. I think the tight end position had so many targets, though, last year because their wide wide receiver position was so injury-riddled. Absolutely. Sterling Shepard, right. Kenny Galladay, uh, Kadarius Toney. I mean, everybody was down. They had no option but to throw to the tight end. I think that's going to change drastically this year. I agree with that. Well, I think uh, an offense changes, too, a lot when, uh, you know, like it's one of those addition-by-subtraction things because Evan Ingram's not there anymore, which means his hands are no longer there. And you have a coaching change. <laughs> right. You know, there, there's a lot of pluses for Kadarius Tony. Um, I, I mean, I've never been super high on him. I've been very weary because of his injuries. Granted, they were kind of fluke injuries. They weren't. They weren't all related. But um, at his draft position, eleventh, twelfth round, ca- catching yeah. him at the end of the twelfth round, you can't go wrong. He's worth a dart throw, especially uh, in best ball. According um, to Fantasy Pros, he's going off the board as wide receiver forty-eight right now. Yeah, and he has a chance if he ends up being the wide receiver one there. He has a chance to certainly break that that ADP. So, 
Um, okay, You're let's lucky, go Jordan. Ahead. We didn't disagree with you this time. Yeah, yeah. Just wait till your next one, though. Um, <laughs> but we're going to jump into the next largest tier jump candidate that we have. So, uh, Josh, uh, you got uh, big boy over here. What? What? Uh, yeah, large what is a good way. A good uh, way to go into this. Talking about AJ Dillon, uh, running back. I guess you would say running back two for Green Bay, but um, certainly running back two. Yeah, I, I sure. But if you actually look at the splits from last year, they uh, they were very close in about splitting a you know eighty percent total share of that team's uh, carries. Uh, it was was somewhere between, you know, they were very close to 40% each. So I'm, I'm not looking at these two, um, as, as far apart as a lot of analysts are. Uh, we're looking at an ADP for AJ Dillon at the mid fourth round, about the four, six, whereas Aaron Jones is going in, you know, the end of the first round, beginning of the second round is sometimes late second round, but I think people are really warming up to the idea of just having Aaron Jones as your RB one. And uh, that's this is not an indictment of Aaron Jones, so please don't mishear me here. All I'm saying is that I think that AJ Dillon has the standalone value to really skyrocket up drafts here. Yeah, um, definitely. Yeah, so if we're if we're looking at a guy who last year scored five touchdowns on the ground, um, two through the air, that's something that I think has a lot of room to improve. With uh, Devonte Adams gone, Aaron Jones is going to be running out of the slot a lot. I say running, but, you know, run, running routes out of the slot, which leaves A.J. Dillon in the backfield alone for, I think, a lot of the portions of these games, which is just opportunity after opportunity. So, Yeah, the uh, two times that he got over 20 carries last year finished as an RB1, or, right, or running back three and running back nine. Uh, he also had a running back seven with only 14 carries last year. So if he gets the opportunity this year, I mean, he certainly has the chance to. Mm-hmm. We've seen teams support uh, two wide receivers in the top 15. We've seen two yeah. top 24 running backs. My candidate is another person that we see being as, uh, as that I see as the possibility of being one of those two top 15 wide receivers where you see these guys being possibility of being two top 24 running backs, which is certainly a possibility in this offense. I still am higher on Jones, obviously. Sure. Um, AJ Dillon, to me, uh, it's all going to come down to what the new offense looks like, um, w- how they run the ball, how they're utilizing both running backs this season. But um, I could certainly see him making that tier jump next year, uh, you know, up up a ways from where he is at right now. Uh, I still think sure. he's being undervalued for where he's at. So um he was yeah. at four point three yards per carry last year and he was their least efficient back. So uh, yeah. <laughs> this is a backfield that is just eating on every single attempt and uh and he's I think going to get the lion's share of those attempts this year. Aaron Rodgers certainly helps. Uh, oh yeah, the the running. Well, game. their offensive line does too. They this is a team with a stout O line and a good run game, and um, we don't know what that what this offense is going to look like this year though. So that is a very good. One thing that you do have to take into consideration is that Aaron Jones isn't going anywhere. He's still in a contract through twenty twenty four, and so um, while AJ Dillon could potentially take uh, a leap, there's no like clear path there. 
So I don't see him taking a jump to an RB one next season, unless Aaron Jones was to move on if they were to trade him or something like that. But I don't see that high of a tier jump, but I certainly see a tier jump for him. Um, I love him as a player. I'm 100%. not saying that at all. No, but, definitely. Yeah, definitely. I mean, and he's only 24 years old too. So as a you know as a dynasty asset, you've got a long a long time actually left out of AJ Dillon. So yeah. So I'm gonna jump into uh, my tier jump candidate, and this is one that you know I see being a possibility of being that top two uh, or two wide receivers in the top 15, and mine is Gabe Davis. Uh, he's currently going on sleeper around pick 78, which is like in the six six point five range, um, which I think is just way too low. Wide receiver 36 on one of the most pass happy offenses in the league. Um, last year they utilized Emmanuel Sanders. They used him at the beginning of the year. He had a 77% snap share. Uh, he was getting all the targets, 72 targets. Um, once they finally gave Gabe Davis the chance, his final four games of the season, he averaged eight targets a game. That's a pace of 136 targets on the year. That's, that's ridiculous for a wide receiver too. But when you have Stefan Diggs on the other side, you know, he's going to be taking a lot of the attention and, uh, they have a 31.9% vacated target percentage, 199 vacated targets this year. Where are those going to go? I mean, yeah, you have Isaiah McKenzie. Um, you know, I certainly see him getting involved in the offense too, but I definitely see Gabe Davis taking a serious jump. Well, I think a lot of people see James Cook coming into and getting a lot of targets right off of the bat. Um, but that, I don't, I'm not one of those people personally. I'm just trying to play a little bit of devil's advocate and say, you know, maybe there's a little bit more ball sharing to go around here than just the Stefan Diggs and Gabe Davis camp. I certainly see that. Even if you, even I'm not saying he's going to get 136 targets. That's, that's not, why not? I would, I would, (laughs) Hey, I'm a dynasty owner too. I would love to see him get 136 targets, but um, you know, even if you increase, he starts getting his snap share up, which they're already talking 80, 90% snap share for him and his red zone targets. He's a great red zone target. You know, he's big body. Um, he was used his, in the red zone packages last year. Hundred percent. The last four games of the season, he had nine red zone targets. It was only one less than Sanders had over twelve games. Yeah. You know, and he caught four touchdown passes in his last four games, and we all saw what he did in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Um, I know I'm jumping on the bandwagon. I guess everybody's talking about him this off season. I understand it, but I've done the, I've done the research on him. I think I've you're watched just giving him. the man respect. Yes, I've I've watched what he does. I've watched his tape. I've seen him. I just don't see how it's possible that he finishes the wide receiver 36 this year. You know, I I could certainly see him him jumping up. He's going, you know, like I said, in the six, six and a half round. Uh, I mean, I could see him easily going just like T. Higgins and Jamar Chase next, you know, are doing this year. First and second, first and third round. You know, I could see him up in the four, third, fourth round next year. Um, so, you know, that's where my large tier jump is. Um, you know, we can also, uh, jump now into, you know, our small tier jump category. So these are players that we see that, you know, may be having a good season this year or could have a good season this year and just jump up a little bit, um, or are being drafted at value still later rounds, but, uh, you know, could see a little bump depending on the situation change. So, uh, Jordan, why don't you go ahead and talk about who your small tier dump category is? 
All right. <clears throat> Sorry. Um, my small tier jump candidate is uh, Ramondre Stevenson. And I don't think that's going to sit well with a lot of people. But give me a moment to explain. Because the reason I put him as a small tier jump candidate is that I don't see a huge room for improvement in his like draft position going into next year. So you've got Damian Harris going off the board before him, who is still pretty clearly the one there. He's a fifth round pick at pick 53 and Harris last year finished as RB 14 with 15 touchdowns. Yeah, if you don't like Damian Harris, you don't like touchdowns. So, well, but what I'm saying is that here, 15 touchdowns is a massive outlier of a season for any running back. And if you're talking about you need 15 touchdowns just to finish RB14, what's I tell you about his that yards? <laughs> does not, that does not work out well for fantasy in the long run. Like, touchdowns just aren't all that sticky and predictable. So, uh, there, look, it's a good team. And they're going to continue to score, but they have a lot of weapons that they can score with. And Ramondre Stevenson, while he's a pretty good value at the eighth round, pick like 95-ish, even if he were to fully take over this backfield, he's not really going to move up all that much because this, this offense specifically uses such a running back by committee and always has drafted two more running backs. This yeah, season. he's he, like the most workload he could take over. Still, is not so fantasy relevant that it's just like you know, like I think the best running back they've had in recent years was the year where James White had an absolute ton of receptions, and the year where Legarrette Blunt fell into the end zone twenty times. So and like. And I think they're going to open up the passing game a little more this season, too. I think yeah, they brought in the it, weapons to allow Mac Jones to do a little bit more. And I think that's going to take its toll on the running back by committee, committee, committee that they you know decide to run. Definitely. Um, yeah. yeah. It's not the Steelers where they give somebody, you know, 95% of the carries and, right. and they're in on every passing down. They're going to use at least three running backs this year. Yeah, like, it's also not the team where if one guy goes down, it's just the other guy's backfield. It's like, no, nope, there's just no, a Brandon Bolden popped in last year. I mean, you, they could, could, you could fumble the ball in New England, and it's every other carry from then on is a different running back. Yeah. And we saw that last year. Yeah, I had Damian Harris, and I was like, all right, I'm going to put him in my lineup. And then that week was Ramondre Stevenson. You know, it's just like, or was, I traded for Damian Harris last year, midway through the season, and Ramondre Stevenson had had messed up a couple times, and all of a sudden, Damian Harris is the only guy handling the ball, yeah, and, and especially in red zone carries. And so, th- this is an offense that's hard to predict. So, in draft season, not uh, a backfield. I'm just really aiming. No, for I'm a hundred percent. I mean, I would love to see one of them make a tier jump, and I think. Ramondre of either of them has sure. a chance to make that because of his eighth round ADP. But I this 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 season I'm definitely probably off on the New England backfield. There's just so many guys that could have so many more opportunities, and uh, I, there's there's a lot of guys that I'd rather take in in those rounds. But uh, I mean, if you're doing it's a not that I don't. Though, yeah, I mean, if sure, you're going to take a flyer on Ramondre because he's going to have his random games. 
or even i mean in the eighth round if you're doing a zero rb strategy you're you're gonna get production out of him True. because he's gonna have a role in the offense Definitely. so I'll see the field every game but but he's not gonna be a workhorse back no matter how many guys ahead of him or behind him get hurt that's yeah. just not how this offense runs so yeah. I, I see him as a potential tier jump, tier jump candidate, but not a very large tier jump candidate. I think uh, his ADP next year could maybe move up to like the seventh or sixth, but that'd be about as far as he could move. Yeah, and I want to uh, take it up the draft board to talk about my small tier jump candidate here. And it's, I just uh, want everyone to listen to who this tier jump candidate is, because this man right here is a Raiders fan. I just had to point that I'm out. I'm unabashedly a Raiders fan. Raider Nation. Yeah, I just had to, you know, I am the Bronco fan. I swagger boisterously. We got two uh, <laughs> unfortunate Raider fans here with me. But just pay attention to this this player. I mean, look, we're going to talk about. It's um, going to be beautiful. Unfortunate, the team that made the playoffs last year. It's just going to be beautiful. Let's just let's just discuss Brandon this here next who's player. With us, um, and has graciously let me step foot in his house. So I'll be careful about what I say here about Javante Williams, the Denver Bronco running back. Um, and listen, this is, I just want everybody to temper your expectations a little bit because I hear so much buzz about him being the absolute next best thing and it happening this year. And this is what I want to talk about is I see this happening for Javante in the future, but I don't think it happens as um, something that gradually takes over this year. There is no reason to me in my mind that they fade away from using Melvin Gordon in the same 50-50 split that they uh, did last year. And even with a new coaching regiment, you have Nathaniel Hackett, who I, I already kind of illustrated earlier with A.J. Dillon and, and Aaron Jones. He's not afraid to give two guys a split share in, in a backfield. And so there's going to be a tear jump here. It's going to be small, but there's it's going to happen because of the Russell Wilson signing. So I don't think it's because of a Javante Williams uh, breakout season he already had that and it didn't uh you know it didn't turn into him getting all of the opportunities last year and it also turned into once again them signing melvin gordon um i understand that it's you know it's a one-year deal it's two and a half million dollars but that's still two and a half million dollars they could have spent anywhere else if they had a running back they were comfortable with being their absolute number one rb so i'm gonna this is this is outside of just being a Bronco fan. I'm going to disagree with you on two things. Brandon's never been outside of being a Bronco fan in his life. Never. <laughs> never. And he's not right now either. Yes, I am. No, I really am. Because I'm not the only one that agrees with this side. Okay? No, absolutely not. This one, is why I wanted to talk. About. Okay. One, we, uh, the, we want to talk about the Melvin Gordon thing, right? So I see a little bit more of a split that's heavier on I see a split I mean I, I mo, like we talked oh, about yeah. most teams have a split have a committee but I see the 65 70 percent side for I would say closer to the 65 percent side for Javante this season which is where I see that tear jump coming for him and then I also want to talk about the Melvin Gordon side where you know we've talked about this before I've talked about it with other people um the fact that they let him walk what does that mean for the team, you know, that they, they let him test free agency. He almost signed with the Ravens. The Ravens let him walk. Um, I know we've talked about the the difference in, in money that they paid Mike Davis versus what they were going to pay Melvin Gordon, you know, one and a quarter mm -hmm. million 
versus two and a half million. But I'm sorry, but we saw what Mike Davis, Mike Davis is worth. And I still don't think 1.2 million is, I don't even think he's worth that. Um, I, I don't know that it's fair to say that we saw what Mike Davis is worth. We saw him with one of the worst teams in the NFL last year in, in the Falcons. I, and nobody was afraid of that run game at all. They had nobody to pass the ball to. I still, I still think Melvin Gordon. I don't get me wrong. I think Melvin Gordon was efficient last year. He was, uh, He's a but good back. he is yeah. definitely, certainly is a good back. And I, 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 this is the Broncos side talking in me. I'm glad to see him on the team because right. I like having that two really strong running backs with Russ. But um, I, on the fantasy side, the reason why I, I could see. Javante getting a little bit more is the the younger side. You don't have to use as much of Melvin Gordon. You don't risk him being hurt going into the uh you know mm-hmm. the end of the season pushing for the playoffs. And if you risk using him too much throughout the season, you may not have him when you actually need two backs in the playoffs or need to spell right. Javante. Um, you know, so if you use the younger back, the elusive, I mean broke more tackles than anyone else in the league last season. Sure. I mean, you could On a see, per-touch basis. Yes, well, but... Also last year, he had uh, like what, 53 targets. He had about 10% of the target share in Denver there by himself. And uh, something that I've kind of come to, to realize about Russell Wilson is he doesn't target the RB very heavily at all. In fact, 10% is about what the entire RB room will get from Russell Wilson in a given year. So I mean, there's a chance the offense. We don't. We honestly have no idea what this offense is going to be. That's true. That was Russell Wilson with Peach Cobbler, and we don't know. <laughs> we don't know what he's going to look like. In no, this is a whole different. I mean, this is an offense sure. that we've never seen. But look at how much the look at how much the running back was targeted in Green Bay. You we just talked sure. about that. But this, I think, this is kind of a QB relevant stat, not necessarily a coach relevant stat, because. Guys like Carson Wentz, who we saw go from the Eagles to Indianapolis, had pretty much no difference in how in the rate that they targeted RB. He stayed very, very low. And so this is something Did that... Did you just compare Carson Wentz? To no, Russell no, Wilson? I'm just... Thank God. I don't want... <laughs> please, don't misunderstand me here. Oh, my gosh. After I'll, Wilson retires next year, you guys can hire Carson Wentz. Yeah, no, I'm All good. I'm saying is... Good. There, there are QB tendencies that are not necessarily related to what the coach wants to do. Okay, I, I mean, I can see that side for certain. Right. I, I mean, I certainly can. And honestly, we have no idea what this offense is going to look like. I, I'm I mean, excited to see it. This is actually the, like the – I hate the Broncos with my whole heart. Excuse me, all of Denver and, uh, unfortunately, other parts of the world. Don't too. apologize. It's them. okay. I love you guys. <laughs> but this is really one of the teams that I'm the most excited to watch this season. I'm just – I mean, overall, I'm just excited to see the division. That's right. We're going to this whole (laughs) you were going to hear that way too much. This whole uh, this whole season, this podcast, you guys are going to hear way too much of us bickering at each other. Um, Just know at the end of the day, we love each other. Uh, But Keenan Allen bolt up. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Yeah. You know, I'm really I really enjoy that so much. Russ is lucky. I really love the guy. Um, the Chargers shouldn't be talking trash, man. They've... That's the only production from Keenan Allen I've ever enjoyed. So, well, here's <laughs> here's where it gets even better. I said to pay attention to who he was talking about, and now I'm gonna make I'm gonna do the same thing, but I'm gonna talk about a Kansas City Chief uh, Ooh, who I no, think can <laughs> can make a tear jump that. Um, 
you know, I, I, we've seen him produce before. Um, in 2018, he had a phenomenal season. Um, I'm talking about time ago, Brandon. I'm talking about Juju Smith-Schuster. I think he still has it. Um, I still think that he can can produce as as a wide receiver. One, uh, they brought him in on, on a one year prove it deal. Uh, they have yes, a phenomenal rookie in Sky Moore that is going to be competing with him for that. He, yeah, he does. He looks great. He that this the camp everything he's looked. He's buzz is all over the place for him. I don't know how to take camp. again. It's it's camp. He yes. hasn't played any snaps on a real NFL field. He's not going up against some of the best corners and in, in our division, he's going to be going up against some really good corners too, you know? So there's a, there's a difference in, in a real field and Juju has proved that he can do it. Um, you know, so we, we saw him, uh, in 2018, he had over 1400 yards and seven touchdowns. And then in 2020, they switched him to the slot in uh, the Steelers offense, switched him to the slot. He still saw 128 targets, but his average depth of target came down significantly to 8.6 yards when it was 13 yards per, um, you know, reception, but he still managed to get nine receiving touchdowns. But then last year he suffered that shoulder injury and was only able to play five games. And he was playing with, you know, the ghost of Ben Roethlisberger. A seriously declining Ben Roethlisberger. Yeah. You go from a declining Ben Roethlisberger to one of the most electric quarterbacks in the league, and who knows what's going to happen. They lose Tyreek Hill. They have a ton of vacated targets. Um, who I don't know who's going to emerge as the wide receiver one, but right now uh, Juju's going as the wide receiver 32 in the seventh round. Uh, for the record – there are 345 vacated targets in the Kansas City offense. That is insane. Uh, I mean, That's so many. Travis Kelsey <laughs> obviously is going to take a huge jump, um, but we don't That's know. the craziest thing to me. Yeah. You just said the number one tight end is going to take a huge jump. He was number two last year. Okay. Was. I'm so sorry to Mark Andrews. I heard someone throw out the other day, could we see Travis Kelsey get 200 targets? And I thought to myself, no, there's absolutely no way, right? How crazy would it be to see a tight end get 200 targets at 32, soon to be 33 years old? I mean, that's just ridiculous he, to me. He had 134 last year. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I definitely uh, – back to Juju, though. I, I have him for over 150. Yes. I have him right about yeah. there, 150. I, but I certainly see Juju making that jump. I mean, I've seen him connecting with Mahomes in camp. I've seen him playing different. I actually have, personally, I have Juju finishing, I think, at the wide receiver 24, 23 this year. Um, if he emerges as the wide receiver one in Kansas City, I don't see how it's possible that he does not finish at a minimum as a wide receiver two. I mean, yeah. I just... And then if he re-signs in Kansas City and he's building that rapport with Patrick Mahomes, you'll easily see him going higher next year. You're not going to get him in the seventh round next year. There's almost no way that you're going to get him in the seventh round next year. Uh, I mean, there's a few players in that seventh round right around there that I like as well, but I'm willing to take the flyer on Juju this year and see what could happen. I mean, uh, if if he emerges there, 
not love to see it just uh, <laughs> personally. But um, your fantasy football. But my fantasy football mind tells me that it's a very good thing to do. You got to put it aside and you got to see what the guy can do. So I certainly see him uh, making that jump this year. So, uh, well, that basically wraps up all of our tier jump candidates um, and our, our, our first episode. I mean, this has been amazing. Thanks for joining us for the first episode. I, I hope if you're new to fantasy football, maybe you learned something that'll help you in your uh, first draft. And if you're uh, if you've been playing fantasy for a while, I if hope you're addicted uh, like we are. Yeah, I hope you enjoyed it, and you'll come back for a lot more. Yeah, make sure to hit that that like button and uh, follow. Uh, you know, on Spotify, iTunes, wherever you guys are at watching. Uh, you can also find us on uh, Twitter. Our main Twitter page is Best Coast FF at Best Coast FF. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at uh, BCFF underscore Brandon. Um, you can find Jordan at. You know, I'm at uh, BCFF underscore Jordan. I am Josh. I'm at BCFF underscore Josh. So. Really appreciate that. Make sure you hit that like, hit that five stars on there if you guys can. It Leave us mean a lot to us. Please, please hit us up on Twitter. Ask us any questions you guys got. If you guys don't agree with something we said today, um, I mean, we would love to talk about it. We love getting on Twitter, talking to people, hearing different things. Send us uh, trades that you guys have had. We're going to have some episodes coming up where we're going to talk about different trade strategy and uh, trade targets that we have or we see for the season. Um, both in dynasty and redraft. Uh, also, uh, if you guys um, are wanting to check out a mock draft, we're going to be in episode two. We're going to be doing uh, a twelve-team half-point PPR mock draft, uh, just running through uh, some different players, talking about our strategies. Depending on, we don't even know where we're drafting yet. It's going to be randomized right there, just like some people's drafts are. So, you know, talking through the players that we see at that tier and why we would view them there. So if you need some advice on possible draft position or where you're at or why we view those players, uh, make sure to check out episode two. Uh, But we really appreciate everybody stopping by and uh, thank you guys again.